Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. My name is Tom Harris and I'm delighted to be joined by a very happy looking Paco Pollitt to dissect a wonderful night for the Spanish national Mm. side as they run out 7-0 winners over Costa Rica to kickstart their World Cup campaign. It was certainly the most dominant display of a 2022 World Cup so far and perhaps one of the most dominant of all time if we're being honest as Luis Enrique's men recorded 81.8% possession and completed 976 passes in 90 minutes, according to Opta, both of which are World Cup records. It was the biggest win in Spain's World Cup history, surpassing a 6-1 triumph over Bulgaria in 1988, and it's only the second time that a team have limited their opponents to zero shots on goal in the World Cup since 1966. Paco, last time you were on this podcast, you said that you wanted Spain to take this game seriously and not overestimate Costa Rica, so how delighted are you personally with that? Uh, fortunately, they uh, listened to our advice and uh, yeah, at this point, you know, uh, delivering a, a review on this game is possibly one of the happiest moments of, of this 2022 because uh, as, as listeners might know, I'm used to, you know, having to suffer through Valencia season, Levante season, Villarreal's ups and downs, uh, whereas for Spain, you know, yesterday it was just an absolute delight to to see the game to watch the players to see how Luis Enrique is trying to uh, you know implement this kind of play style just defending with the ball it's absolutely needless to have uh, you know uh, big defenders quick defenders when you always have the ball in your uh, in your feet and and yeah the, the 82% of ball possession you know it's pretty damning for for Costa Rica but there were some points through the game in the first half where the the levels of of ball possession were you know very close to 86 87% which is absolutely madness so uh in that sense i think it was possibly the closest we are going to get to an impeccable game from spain uh because the the world cup is can be very treacherous uh, through the through the path to the to the championship and obviously the game against Germany isn't going to be the same the game against Japan isn't going to be similar remotely similar to this one but uh, there were some doubts in the country regarding the way 
Spain was going to make a point in their first game because traditionally we've been struggling in in that scenery. We we saw it back in uh, 2014 with that defeat against uh, the Netherlands. We saw it uh, especially in 2010 when Spain were able to win the World Cup even though they lost the first game. So history didn't really back up uh, Luis Enrique's claims that the team were doing great. But when the final whistle was blown by the by the referee, you could definitely see that the players were uh, ecstatic, not only because of their performance, but because the plan had gone according to plan. And, and that was uh, one of Luis Enrique's main goals in, in this first game against Costa Rica. Yeah, it was absolutely sensational. And, you know, in terms of the passing play as well, it's difficult to know where to start, really, in terms of analysing and, and picking out certain players. But... You know, the first glimpse we got, I thought, was of Pedri after five minutes as he floated a delicious ball over to Danny Olmo, who volleyed just wide. And that was really, you know, a sign of things to come. And that was would be the first of three big chances he would create in just 52 minutes on the pitch. He completed 89 passes, 30 passes into the final third, showing just how positive and important he was in moving the ball forward. And he even managed to win the ball back three times as well. So just how good was Pedri and how important can he be at this tournament? Yeah, I think that every single stat that we uh, cover throughout this chat is going to be uh, very impressive. And especially you were mentioning some of the of the of the names over there. I think Danny Olmos game was severely underrated. I, I think that he was brilliant from the first minute till the 104th minute, which uh, we know we should comment on that on, at some point, because I don't really understand what the referees are aiming for in this World Cup with those added minutes at the at the end of the first half, at the end of the second one. Yesterday, we had like zero interruptions throughout the game and we had plus nine minutes at the end of the game, which was uh, mind-blowing. And it was a torture for Costa Rica, you know, because in, in those final minutes, they, they allowed a couple of, of more goals which made, you know, the, the, the scoreline even more damning for them. But um, Dani Olmo was, was brilliant. Pedri was brilliant through and through, even though he only played like 55 minutes, I believe, because I think that Luis Enrique knows that he has to go easy on this player. Um, his effort last season was was incredible because he played like 60, 62, 64 games. Um, he has been very, very consistent with Barca and with the national team and with the Olympic team. You know, overall, uh, I think that this, this guy has the potential to become the both of best worlds. Whenever you see uh, uh, Pedri playing, you can definitely see traits from Iniesta over there. You can definitely see traits from Xavi over there. And you could say that it's like a you know Frankenstein monster of these two players, which is like bringing in the best of both of them and becoming the overall total midfielder. I, I think that nowadays, uh, if we check out every single game played to date in the World Cup, you are never going to see a player as dominant as Pedri in in any single game. And and we've seen already well over half of the of the favorites of the championship contenders. And you know Pedri has outplayed every single one of those players. Even Luka Modric, who did a great job for Croatia, I think that Pedri was even better. And uh, it would be very unfair if we just you know talk about these two guys because I think overall the the whole squad was amazing. I would only, you know, uh, leave aside possibly Unai Simon because the pool guy like had nothing to do throughout the whole game. He got like one chance to go out of the box to to get into a long ball and and uh, that was pretty much it. 
And um, I also want to speak about the, um, the role of both uh, Rodri and uh, Laporte at the back, because there was some, uh, you know, there were some doubts regarding why Luis Enrique ultimately is uh, betting on a midfielder, which Rodri is definitely, and uh, a guy like uh, Laporte, who obviously he's had his, uh, you know, his problems in um, in his current side with injuries and so on. But he doesn't. It doesn't seem like Luis Enrique is going for the traditionally for the traditional centre back. Uh, like, for example, back in the day, Sergio Ramos was one example. Pique was one example. He's aiming for another, for another uh, plan. And as I said earlier, the, the plan overall is trying to be as aggressive whenever you don't have the ball as possible. Try to steal it as far as possible from your own goal. And in that sense, if you are able to do that and you succeed in doing that, the path to the opposite box is very, very uh, short, ultimately. It's only like 20, 30 meters to get over there. So that's the plan overall. Domination and submission over ball possession. And later, whenever you don't have it, be as aggressive as possible. And we saw it, for example, with Gabi. Gabi yesterday was, you know, an overall uh, bulldog in the midfield. He, he was brawling with everyone, going down and tackling everyone. He was also very smart whenever going for the run forward and getting fouled, obviously, most of the time. And uh, that kind of aggressiveness, it settles the mood for the rest of the game. And I think that the first 10 minutes, and, and I think we are going to elaborate on this, were, were crucial towards Spain, uh, you know, making a statement, a big statement on the, on the game, not only against Costa Rica, but I, I think towards the rest of the opposition in the World Cup. Because if you see how Germany failed to deliver in the second half against Japan and they lost the game, obviously. If you see how Argentina failed to do the same against uh, Saudi Arabia, ultimately those are big favorites towards the championship. And Spain, with that kind of, you know, uh, red alert in on their brains, on their collective brains, I think they, they went for it like the, from the first minute. And and you could see that you were already 2-0 up in the in the 20th minute. And and the dominance in that in that sense it's just, uh, as we say in Spanish, aviso a navegantes. It, it's some way to, you know, give a, a big warning towards the rest of the of the teams in the in the World Cup because Spain is definitely here to try to battle for the for the cup. For sure, and I think Gavi, you know, as you mentioned, did symbolise that aggressiveness and, and taking the game by the scruff of the neck. And for me, he he was my man of a match. I, I just thought he was unbelievable. And I think there was a lot of talk before the tournament about Thiago not going with the squad, but. Mm -hmm. I think yesterday kind of showed that what Gavi and Pedri can offer in terms of you know because Spain love to build up through the middle they love to have possession and build up through these central areas and Gavi the amount of times he received the ball on the spin turned and drove you know into the Costa Rica defense such an aggressive direct play style and yeah I think he's going to be really important he, I mean he became the third youngest ever goal scorer in the World Cup yesterday the youngest ever goal scorer for Spain and yeah you know, we were talking about Thiago, um, uh, Pedri before is a mix of Iniesta and Xavi. I think Gavi is is a mix of Iniesta, Xavi, and wow, who else? Thomas Grab and, and Busquets possibly <laughs> because of the and the, the kind of aggressiveness that you don't find in those players because Xavi was never an aggressive player and Iniesta obviously, uh, but uh, Busquets when he was younger he was that kind of. Uh, you know, um, rowdy midfielder being able to become, you know, the best in the uh, in the world in his in his position. But you know, Gabi brings in another type of 
flavor because there was uh, a play late in the game when he went like toe to toe with uh, Waston, who is a guy like two meters uh, high and, and Gabby is very short, as everyone knows. And he had no problem like going toe to toe with him and, uh, you know, challenging him because because he has that kind of attitude. He isn't afraid of absolutely anything. And if you have a fearless midfielder who is able to do the job, go to the mud, go down into the, the tackles, the the you know the rowdy part of the of the sport, that is a very big advantage because overall I think that Spain only lacks in that kind of department. I think that the kind of attitude when the, the games go uphill and when the games go to into a battle of attrition mode and you have to, you know, be more I don't I don't really like the word because uh, I, I could believe it a bit discriminating, but, you know, it goes like a virile uh, moment of going like straight on into the ball. Those kinds of games haven't been very nice towards Spain in the past. And I think having, having Gavi in the midfield uh, is going to help quite a lot because he isn't afraid of, of battling for every single loose ball. And yesterday we could see a perfect example of that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just before we finish this this first half, I wanted to talk about some of the attacking players because obviously Spain scored seven goals and, you know, there was a lot made before the tournament of only Alvaro Morata being the number nine going to this tournament. But mm. as you mentioned before, Dani Olmo, I think he generated over one XG by himself. He had four shots on goal, three in the area. Alvaro Morata as well scored a fantastic goal. The, the seventh was a really, really nice finish. Is that a big confidence booster, do you think, for Alvaro Morata to get on the score sheet his first ever World Cup goal and to finish so confidently? I believe that the best news for the team uh, overall for the squad is that uh, almost everyone scored. You know, Ferran Torres got the, the penalty in and the, and the goal in the second half. But, you know, uh, Gavi scoring, Soler scoring, Morata, as you said, scoring late in the game. Uh, and obviously, Dani Olmo and Marco Asensio, the two opening goals. But in Morata's case, the only uh, issue that I have with his performance yesterday is that, yeah, the, he did score and it was a great goal. Because he was able to, you know, uh, perform that kind of of one-two pass with uh, Dani Olmo and later finishing great with the with the left foot, but he did miss a couple of chances earlier, which were very very clear, and that has been the main issue with with Morata. I believe through his whole career that he really needs three four clear chances to score one. And in a World Cup, you need to be clinical. Actually, Spain was was pretty clinical yesterday because most of the of the shots that went on target were goals ultimately. But you also need to score those which go outside the three sticks, you know. And and Morata yesterday had a couple of very very clear chances only a few minutes before he scored, and uh, he wasn't really you know accurate and and on target, and and that could become an issue if you have further along the road, closer games, at least in the scoreline aspect. But, but I think that it was a very, very important confidence boost, as you said, uh, being able to score that late goal, because that was, was what Luis Enrique was saying in the second half. The game was won already, but he really did want to have everyone involved in the in the uh, ultimate uh, scoreline and, and getting in uh, Carlos Soler, which is a great, you know, box-to-box -box midfielder, and he has the ability to score, which is very important. We have seen that both in Valencia back in the day and nowadays in, in PSG. And, you know, coming in and only a couple of minutes later, he was able to score the the sixth. And uh, obviously, Morata, having Morata feeling uh, involved and, and feeling sharp in that sense 
is is great news. Even though I think that the playstyle and the lineup that we saw yesterday might be the most used by Spain overall in this tournament, regardless of how of how far they they get. Because I don't know if against Germany, for example, and I think we're going to talk about this in a few minutes. Uh, I don't think that we might do better by placing a traditional number nine on the on the pitch. We saw that Germany were outrun by by Japan pre precisely be because they were very mobile, very quick. They were able to take advantage of the space in both wings. And uh, I think that Luis Enrique, even though he has been criticized by some journalists, which I wouldn't really, you know, listen to uh, by saying that he doesn't really prepare the games. He's not, uh, you know, watching the rest of the games being played at the same time as he goes on, on his Twitch rants every every evening. I do think that Luis Enrique is going to tackle Germany's game very similarly to what Japan did uh, yesterday too. Yes, Germany and Japan, the next two fixtures for Spain. And in part two, we'll be speaking about those games and looking ahead at how to Luis Enrique might line up that Spanish squad if he'll make any changes to this team that have just beat Costa Rica by seven goals to nil. So make sure you stick around for that and we'll see you after the break. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome back to part two of the La Liga Lowdown podcast. My name is Tom Harris and I'm joined again by Paco Pollitt to discuss the rest of Spain's fixtures at this group in the World Cup. Up next, we've got Germany. And, you know, we've just been talking, Paco, just before the break about Germany's defeat to Japan and how mm. 
you know, because we know they have problems at fullback. We uh, Adam Khan came onto the podcast a couple of weeks ago and told us that Nicolas Sula would have to play at right back, and that you know there was a bit of a bit of an issue there. And we saw Japan with the pace on the wings exploit that. And you know, yesterday we saw Alejandro Balde come on, for example, and he was absolutely electric from left back. We saw Nico Williams come off the bench, and there's also mm. Ansu Fati and Marcos Llorente on the bench who have a lot of you know forward running power. Do you think we could see some changes in the Spanish lineup potentially for this Germany game? Uh, yeah, definitely. Even though my my biggest uh, you know complaint to date has been uh, Jose Luis Gaya's uh, absence, late absence from the tournament, because I believe he has uh, been unfairly treated by by Luis Enrique. I think that his uh, sprained ankle deserved because of his you know gravitas and relevance and and football level overall. He deserved to be in the in the tournament, and I think that even though. He would have been, you know, very. Uh, he wouldn't have played yesterday against um, against uh, Costa Rica, regardless, because I think that the plan overall from the beginning was was playing Jordi Alba in the first game in the opening one, and later, uh, you know, betting all of the chips on on Jose Luis Gaya because he's much more defense driven in that sense that Jordi Alba. Yesterday, J Jordi Alba had a ball uh, overall because. He had like zero responsibilities at the back. He could go just forward and, and he did great for 60, 65 minutes. Um, the veteran Barca player, you know, had a reminiscence of, of his uh, great days, days uh, of greatness uh, in 2012, 2014, when he was uh, very important for both Barca and the national team. Um, in that sense, I, I think I'm, I'm dearly missing Jose Luis Gaya. I'm going to try, always trying to get in his name in every single podcast I do from now till the beginning of the tournament. But yeah, Jordi Alba, I think that because of the all of the comments regarding Gaya's absence and possibly knowing that he's become like the second choice for Luis Enrique, he also wanted to make a point against Costa Rica. And, and that's why his performance overall was so brilliant. I think that Jordi Alba like had zero mistakes overall zero uh distractions whenever defending and and you know he 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 just was just feeling the flow and that kind of performance just carrying on carried on to Alejandro Valde when he came in because he had the he has the energy and the you know the vigorous attitude of the of the youth he's just a kid overall and and only a couple of days ago he was with the under 21s you know playing his games and with his friends and whatever like zero responsibility and suddenly he gets called up to a to a world cup and that's possibly the biggest experience he's had ever like a player and and as a human being and and that's why the levels of motivation have have been going through the roof with with Balde i, I think he he might have chances against uh, Germany, especially in the second half, when you know the physical progress of, of Spain might not be up to par with German, the Germans because they are traditionally a very strong team in that sense. But I think that Jordi Alba might be the starter against uh, Germany once again, and he is going to suffer quite a bit more than he did against. Costa Rica. Overall, that the game is going to be an absolutely different animal in every sense, and that's why it's going to be so interesting. Because ultimately, the the Germans are arriving to this second game with possibly the mo the biggest level of pressure they've seen since the the last big tournament only only four years ago.
Exactly, because let's say looking at this group now, I mean, not to be too dismissive of Costa Rica, but how um, you know how poor they were yesterday, you'd expect Japan to be really fancying their chances of getting a three points against Costa Rica, and suddenly Japan are on six, and then Germany, you know, they have to overcome Spain if they go into qualifiers, mm. so they have to win this game. It is a must win. Germany must beat Spain in this next game if they are going to progress. I, I have to say that regarding the the Germany Japan game, um, you can say that both teams went full on with their with their plan you know trying to maximize their potential and trying to reduce as much as they could their their weaknesses and i have to give credit to you know uh argentina for example were severely criticized because of their defeat against um saudi arabia which could be to some extent understandable but i think germany did absolutely their best it's just that japan were better in the second half it was the, uh, germany didn't uh, didn't go overconfident they didn't you know disrespect the japanese they didn't you know believe that or, or downsize the the relevance of the game they just were overplayed by by japan it was an absolutely deserved win and i think that we have to uh, speak not candidly but speak fairly about what the japanese did in that game because it's possibly one of the biggest wins in their whole history and they did it in style and nobody can say it was an unfair win. In that sense, um, you know, ultimately they have bailed Spain and Germany into big trouble because one of them, if they are able to beat Costa Rica, which Japan should, even though Costa Rica, I think, are going to go, you know, very in, in, a, in a bitter mood in, towards the second game and they're going to try to prove that they are not as bad as they looked yesterday against Spain. Uh, Japan have absolutely uh, in their hands the chance of of living out and knocking out one of the two top five top six contenders to the tournament and that is a very very big statement you know um and yeah regarding the the, the spain against germany game it's going to be pure drama i believe uh definitely not as easy looking as as spain debut uh the germans are very, are very dangerous they are also the kind of squad that can take Spain into a troublesome spot because they are not, uh, you know, they are not afraid of having the ball. Back in the day when uh, Joachim Lowe was, uh, you know, uh, at the helm, they, they in fact favored that kind of style. And, uh, you know, you could see back in the day that they were trying to imitate to some extent what Spain were doing. And they even surpassed it because they were, you know, world champions and, and, and champions overall. But uh, I don't know. It seems like yesterday uh, Germany were just outplayed, surprised in the second half. And they're going to try to tackle this second game with an absolutely different attitude. They really know Spain's potential. They have played against each other like many times in the past. And, and that's why uh, the, the development of the game is going to be absolutely different. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm really interested personally to see this midfield battle between Pedri, Gavi and Jamal Musiala. You know, we have three of the best young talents in the world all, all pitting against each other in the crucial games. I think that's going to be absolutely thrilling to watch. I mean, very minor point, but obviously looking at the possession yesterday for Spain, it was 82% of the ball. Um, we were speaking in the uh, in the preview podcast that they've not had under 60% possession since March 2020. So that obviously Spain like to dominate possession. We all know that. But in the heat of Qatar, you know, in a game like yesterday, it, it didn't look like Spain really broke sweat. Whereas we're looking at Germany and it was a very desperate performance. Did, do you think that could maybe, you know, could Spain maybe be in better shape heading to this game because of the amount of a ball they had? 
Yeah, that's one of the advantages that back in the day we saw, I believe, with the, the beginning of all of this, you can like trace it back to the 1970s and the Clockwork Orange from the Netherlands and so on. But ultimately, you can trace it specifically to, to Guardiola's Barca. Guardiola's Barca were able to play <clears throat> 55 plus games per season because ultimately the level of tiredness and and you know players being worn down was much smaller than the opposition because they had the ball for most of the time when you have the ball most of the time you're able to rest with the ball and that's what happened with uh, Guardiola's Barca which as some players and many players and many coaches have said uh, they broke the game back in the day because they made something so difficult to do so effortless that suddenly everyone wanted a piece of that you know everyone wanted to imitate that in every single uh you know country in every single league and guardiola's barca was one of a kind as you could say uh guardiola's manchester city so in this case luis enrique's barca is trying to follow the same template with different players because obviously we don't have leo messi uh, with us uh, but for example the concept of that false number nine we are following is pretty much similar to what Guardiola did in the 2010, 2011, 2012 seasons with, with Messi. Because Messi wasn't the, the traditional number nine. He had the freedom to play whenever, wherever he wanted. Whenever and wherever he wanted. And, uh, you know, Spain's game yesterday showed traces of that. We saw Dani Olmo just moving to the left, to the right, to the middle. To the middle. We saw Pedri doing the same. We saw uh, Asensio doing the same. Overall, I think that the, the template is there. The plan is already known by both Luis Enrique's men and the opposition. And it's going to be like a battle of uh, playstyles uh, for Luis Enrique trying to follow it as close to the book as possible and to the opposite teams, in this case Germany and Japan, trying to deactivate that kind of uh, football because everyone knows how it's done. But A... Mm, almost nobody knows how to do it and B, almost nobody knows how to stop it. Speaking of Pep Guardiola and possession football, we, we did see Rodri, as we mentioned before, drop into the centre-back space yesterday alongside Imeric Laporte. Against this German side where we probably are going to see a bit more of an attacking impetus, do you see Luis Enrique returning to a bit more of a conventional lineup and introducing, for example, Pau Torres into that back four? Depending on how the game uh, develops, I believe I believe that Pau Torres will play the game. I don't know if uh, he will do it as a starter or as uh, you know a, a sub coming in from the bench. But yeah, I think that the the preview of this game is going to be crucial. You know the way uh, Luis Enrique and his staff break down how Germany uh, you know played in the first game, failed to win in the first game. And what changes they might, uh, you know, uh, play in the second in the second one? I think that uh, we should try to capitalize on the desperation of the Germans because they are going to be in need of scoring very early, of trying to, you know, getting uh, as confident as possible as soon as possible. And uh, yeah, Luis Enrique already said that uh, he was going to change some things towards the second game, and uh, possibly changes at the back might be one of the of the of the crucial points. Maybe in front, the the, the I think that the the style of one four three three is going to be remain untouched. But 
possibly the names maybe started with a more traditional number nine as as uh, instead of Asensio playing in Alvaro Morata might give more trouble to the to the defenders from from Germany but yeah we're going to see changes definitely um there were criticisms towards Luis Enrique before the game because of the fact that he was playing Laporta and, and uh, um, Rodri at the back. But ultimately, you know, the the overall result made those criticisms like go away, suddenly uh, vanish uh, in, a, in a few seconds because of just how well Spain played. So, yeah, we're going to see changes definitely. I don't know how many of them. But uh, the core uh, idea of the Spanish team is going to be the same, definitely. And I think that the, the three players in the middle, Gabi, Pedri and, and Busquets, are going to remain untouched. And as long as that happens, I remain confident with Spain's chances throughout the tournament. Fantastic. And yeah, just looking at this German side, you took on Japan yeah, with Leroy Sané on the bench. I think we might expect to see a bit more. Yeah. Of Drive against the Spanish side. Also, Yusuf Mokoku, the 17-year-old, maybe he gets a chance as well. But yeah going to be an absolutely fascinating game and yeah three days time thursday um not thursday sorry friday saturday sunday the 27th. sunday sunday we'll sunday night fantastic encounter thank you very much for joining us today paco absolutely brilliant to have you on as always it's uh definitely a change of mood being able to speak uh, about nice things for a change <laughs> because as i said earlier i'm used to you know, talking about all of the drama over here in Valencia, but, you know, it was an absolute delight to see Spain yesterday against Costa Rica. Yeah, and long may that continue. Thank you very much for listening, and if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to give us a follow at La Liga Lowdown on Twitter, and also to subscribe to our new substack, llonline.substack.com, where we have a new piece up by Rory Barlow covering this World Cup and lots more pieces to come from our Spanish football experts. Thanks once again for listening, and we'll see you soon. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.